Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Revelation chapter 9. And the last time we looked at the first four trumpet judgments. Now, again, this is a future time. Okay? This is prophecy. Uh, these things are global. They're cataclysmic. They're big. Uh, it's not relegated to a small area. It's going to be across the whole world. So we looked at the four trumpet judgments. Before that, we had the seals, the seals that were broken. And with every seal, there was something else that came about. Uh, there's been a few pauses in between the judgments, and we'll talk about that. After the trumpet judgments, we're going to look at the bowl or the vial judgments. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really difficult time in the earth's future. Uh, this morning's message was titled, Be Careful What You Ask For. And what I mean by that is that as we look at the fifth and the sixth trumpets, uh, some pretty awful things are going to happen. You know, the world, because of sin, has been effaced. It's been marred. It's been kind of imploding upon itself in a sense. Now we're seeing the same thing in our culture. And I think sometimes in America, we've been a little bit of a bubble. Um, this has been going on all over the world, but now it's come here, this division, this strife, uh, you know, things that are happening. The good news, though, is, though, if you're in Christ, uh, when you see these judgments and the wrath of God, um, you don't have to be here. The church won't be here for this time, which is a really, really good thing. But when I say be careful what you ask for, the church, or I'm sorry, scratch that, the world has created a scenario. And, you know, you can look at it in local governments. You can look at it in national governments. Uh, the world pretty much has pushed Christ out of the picture. So how do we solve the problems of poverty and racism and, and all injustice and all kinds of things, sickness and, uh, you know, all of these things? And the answer is Christ. But the world has largely rejected Christ. So with rejecting Christ, with rejecting God, is rejecting his blessings as well and his, his involvement in humanity. So that's why when I say be careful what you ask for, this is pretty much what the world is asking for, and they're getting it, and it's not pretty. But again, if you're in Christ, if you don't know the Lord, you come to Christ, you know, you should come to Christ because you want a relationship with God, uh, but you don't have to go through these things because it's a future occurrence. So we're going to jump in. Listen, I don't, I don't take pleasure in teaching this type of stuff. Uh, I liken myself to a, an oncology surgeon who says, you know, the, the patient comes in and they're really thrilled to death but they got these problems and these pains. And the surgeon knows that he has to sit down with the patient and say, listen, I have bad news for you. We have to remove it. And in a parallel spiritually, you know, when we go through God's word, God warns us. God wants us to be on the right path. He wants us all to be in heaven with him, but he has given us free will. So there is a, a tumor, there's a cancer in the spiritual realm and the, the world's ignoring it. They're not seeing it. So it's our job when we come together in the church to talk about it and how do we solve the problem. So we're going to jump in and we're going to look at this in four parts. So Revelation 9. It says, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from 
heaven to the earth. And to him, to the star, the fallen star, was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. So one out of four is the fifth trumpet sounds. We're really right. And some say we're in the three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation. We're kind of like right in that apex, right in the center. And there's different opinions on that among Bible teachers. But we're really right smack dab in the middle of these 21 judgments that we see hammering the earth. First one, a star fallen from heaven to earth. Well, this is obviously a person because they were given something and they were asked to do something. So it's a person, this star, this metaphor. Uh, Revelation 12.4 likens demons to when Satan rebelled against God and he took a third of the stars with him and thrust them to the earth. So fallen stars are likened to fallen angels or demons, or as we know them now. Luke ten eighteen, Jesus said, this is very important. I have these ongoing debates about the Trinity, right? Um, before the incarnation, he tells his disciples in Luke ten eighteen, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Jesus was there before the incarnation, and he, he saw this event take place, being fully God before being fully God and fully man. In addition, the name Lucifer means brightness or light bearer. And prior to these stars falling from heaven to the earth, the angels were probably beautiful as the rest of the ones now, like Michael and Gabriel and the ones who, have, who remained faithful to God. Uh, this fallen angel was given a key to the bottomless pit. And again, he wouldn't have authority to open this bottomless pit unless he had given it been given to him by God. And folks, there is true evil in this world. And in this world, along with pushing God out of, you know, the public life, whether it's the school system or the academic um, system to only examine it in a cold and sterile way, uh, to take it out of government and public displays, right? This pushing God out of everything comes with consequences. One of the consequences is that in a power vacuum, evil will prevail. And it doesn't mean that God is weak, that he can't be in the public discourse. But again, he's given us free will. We make these decisions as a, as a human race, as we've seen many times through the scripture. So he gives us free will. You see now that, uh, and it's been a lot in uh, social media, you always got to vet those sources. But in in regular mainstream news about how they're saying now that pedophilia, adults uh, to have sexual relationship with, with children, is they're trying to normalize it. The word aberration, right, a defect, something you should get help for, has been replaced with proclivity. These are nice words, aren't they? And it's a subtle changing of evil. It's, there's no sin anymore. Why do I need, people say this, why do I need Jesus what, what? He died for my sins? What's that? So, because we live in a culture that's, that keeps sanitizing these terms. We have to get back to the basics. You know, you saw about the whole thing about Jeffrey Epstein, you know, uh, he, whatever happened in prison. But he um, either took his wife or it was taken from him. He had a whole island full of underage people that famous people went there and, you know. Uh, but Jeffrey Epstein, under these new laws that they're trying to push, wouldn't be a bad guy. He wouldn't be a monster. He would just be somebody that chooses this type of lifestyle. So we're, we're starting to see in the scripture where the evil comes from. And I'm going to read a scripture that tells us that even people who do evil 
are inspired by satanic forces, just like Christians are, uh, are inspired by God and the Holy Spirit. Well, it's, it's the other thing on the other side. It depends on who you give yourself to, right? When you make those choices to push God, those people that push God out of their lives, they leave again a power vacuum. Something's going to fill in a vacuum. Verse two, it says he opens the bottomless pit and smoke ascends and it's hot as a furnace. So there's another dust up in the atmosphere that blocks the sun again. And we see this happen in phases with the sun being darkened and then sort of comes back to normal and then it happens again. And there's different reasons why that happens. Okay. So revelation, you don't want to go through this. This is a miserable time for the earth. Um, it's horrible. The bottomless pit, the Greek word is abusos. Uh, which is where we get the English transliterated word abyss. It means no bottom, abusas, no bottom. It can also be translated a depthless prison, and it appears to be deep in the earth. Now, we know if we look at the layers of the earth, it's very interesting. The inner core, the, the core is, has, is a semi-solid uh, structure. It's very hot. But the outer core, just outside of that, as you, as you start getting to the surface, is, a, is the outer core. It's a liquid um, you know, construct, and it's about 3,800 degrees Celsius. So that's really, really, really hot. <laughs> the deeper you go into the earth, the hotter it gets. And God designed this for a reason. There's so many reasons for the iron content and the electromagnetic field. Like, this didn't evolve. Every layer of the earth has a reason for why it's there. However, it serves a dual purpose. Again, the, the, the this fallen star opens this pit that probably we have no idea where it is, but all of a sudden this thing opens up and these things come out of the earth and we're going to go through that. Um, how does it have no bottom? Well, if, if it is deep into the earth, you can almost see as the earth is tilted pole to pole on a 23 and a half degree axis so that if, if there was a, a pit in there, and these demonic beings were incarcerated there as the earth um, rotates around that axis and revolves around the sun. If you're in there, there's just never a bottom because of the way it turns as it's moving. It's interesting, isn't it? God has designed us differently. So when we, when we are on top of the earth, when we're on the top layer of the earth, um, he has designed our... It's amazing. Our brain, the gyroscope in our brain, the semicircular canals in the inner ear. He's, he's fine-tuned us so that we don't feel the movement on the surface. When you start thinking about that, it's kind of creepy. As a kid, it would blow my mind when I learned about science. I'm like, the earth's moving. You know what I'm saying? So um, very interesting, right, how he tuned us to the earth. And the whole thing about dizziness and vertigo and why that happens. It's actually quite fascinating study. Okay, let's get away from that. I always have to go to biology and anatomy and physiology because I love that stuff. So let me move because we're not talking about that today. So this is a place that's in a place of incarceration for the demons. As a matter of fact, in Second Peter 2, 4 and Jude 1, 6, they say similar things that the angels who sinned and left their former habitation were cast down and some of them are in chains for the day of judgment. And why were they incarcerated? Well, Genesis 6 gives us a little insight about a time in the way past when the, uh, there was sort of a hybrid race between these fallen creatures and, and the human race. And, you know, people talk about giants and bones, and they find weird things uh, when they do some digging and say, this looks kind of human, but it's really big. 
long story, but you know, the flood comes and all these things happen. Um, let me get back to the, <laughs> the word. I just, I just like to put a lot of filler in there. So you kind of see, well, I never heard that before. Well, once you read the entire scripture, this, this stuff makes a lot more sense. Um, a little conjecture here is that Satan knows his limits. We look at the book of Job, which pastor Paul, um, has been running through and, uh, Satan was given boundaries by God and he followed those boundaries. However, it does appear that there are some, there are some demons who choose not to listen to the boundaries and God incarcerates them until the last day and the day of judgment where they're thrown into the lake of fire and they need to be chained because they don't listen. So it's kind of interesting and and his conjecture, Satan is the leader. He started the rebellion, but just like in any gang, right? I was a police officer for many years. You could have a leader of a gang and you can have some people that are in the gang hierarchy that were more ferocious and frightening than the leader. So you can see the same thing happening here. It's not hard to make those, make that extrapolation. Uh, so that these demons get what I would call a spiritual timeout. You know, they're, they're stuck in this place. They can't get out. And here in Revelation 9, that cover is open. There's a special key that God has and they start to get released. And it's kind of creepy when you read about what they're like. Further proving my point, Luke 8.31, Jesus heals a man who's demon-possessed. And some people read that and they go, huh? I don't get that. When you know the entire scripture, now the light bulb goes off. The demons actually say to Jesus who are inhabiting the man, they beg Jesus, don't throw us into the abyss before the time. And most people look at that and go, what the heck are they talking about? Because they know. Maybe they weren't supposed to do that. And Jesus is, he's got the power, remember, fully God and fully man. Who has the power to do that? Christ does. And they beg him not to send them into the abyss before the time. So there could be a force field or some boundaries that contain them so they can't get out. Right? Um, uh, so I'll just throw this in there too. It's, I just have a lot of fun with this conjecture and we get this in the Q and a, we, on Wednesdays, we get these, some of these questions in the young adults group. When did Satan rebel? And when were those fallen angels, all those demons, uh, incarcerated in this place? When did that actually happen? Well, it couldn't happen before sin entered the world because everything was pure. Something happened after sin entered the world and hu- the human brace brought sin into the world where now they're living in a marred creation. They're marred physically. They're marred spiritually. And the demons are marred because they also rebelled. So everybody's kind of in the same place, but there's some separation. Um, probably after Genesis 6, that weird situation uh, that they are, many of them are put into this place where they can't get out until Revelation 9. They've been in there for thousands of years. <laughs> so, again, there is... I used to, as a new Christian, I was always a little shy about my faith. I know it's hard to believe. But it happens in the beginning. And when you would start bringing up the devil and Satan, people would laugh at you. Let me tell you something. I, it doesn't bother me anymore because this isn't funny. And the person, even the people who mock me or you for what you believe, we know we have to get over our own feelings and love them because this is not a place that anybody wants to be. According to the scripture, the whole world could repent. It's likely that it won't happen and not go through this. And God could have us all in the bleachers watching and saying, listen, I've got to let this thing implode upon itself and watch me make everything new and beautiful again. Unfortunately, humans choose to be here. Like I said, be careful what you ask for. 
you love the culture, you love American culture, next Sunday I'm going to go through a list of about 25 things that we see as normal that have demonic roots to it. So for time's sake, I'm going to save that until next Sunday. Okay, verse 3. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So from John's perspective, remember, he's a human. He's a first century human being. And he's being shown, he's being this, this vision, he sees these things happening. God is showing them. He's giving him a, 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 a walking tutorial because he's got to write it down in Revelation so that we could read it. And Christians throughout the centuries and even unbelievers, I'm going to get to that part. So he sees these creatures swarming and they look like locusts. But upon further description, they're, they're not locusts, they're demons. And I'll, I'll make my case for that. If you look at entomology or the study of insects, locust swarms have wreaked havoc on crops and still do in many areas. I mean, there's probably a million of them. And when you see a big swarm, they actually cover the sky and it gets dark. There's so many of them, they're occluding the sunlight. God used the locust at times in the past to judge through the destruction of some crops, not often. But locusts, you could have one on your hand. I've had them. They don't bite. They're not going to harm humans, but they just destroy crops. Here, the opposite is happening. God is allowing this demonic horde to just really judge the inhabitants of the earth, and we're going to understand why. So verse 4, the demons have a mission, but they still have restrictions. Don't harm the vegetation or the sealed 144,000, which we covered in Revelation 7. Um, And it's another proof that the church is not here. You understand? And I don't know why people want to teach this, that, oh, this is a, a time, it's a scary time, and we're going to be here. You know, we better build, uh, you know, bunkers and stuff. No. If you read the scripture in its context, it's an entirety, we're not here. Because this is God's wrath, and we're not appointed to wrath, First Thessalonians 5 tells us. We're not appointed to God's wrath. And this is obviously something that he's allowing to happen. In addition, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And in addition, some of you are like, if you were wondering whether we would be here, I'm going to make you feel better, okay? First uh, John 4, 4, it says that he who is in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than he who is in the world, which is Satan and his forces, right? The world system. So how could the church be here? This makes no sense at all. If I'm here and the Lord, the Lord is judging the earth and I'm getting judged and I'm not part of the 144,000, I've got the Holy Spirit residing in me and, and God is fighting with God inside of me and beating me up on the shell. It, it just doesn't make theological sense. So I don't believe the church is here and I just keep going through this over the months of why the church isn't here and all the proof text to it. Remember this too, God always protects the godly when he judges the ungodly. He waited for four people, Lot, his wife, and two daughters to leave Sodom and Gomorrah before he judged that place. And when you read about Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, they really weren't great people. But they did have faith, so they were saved. Okay? (laughs) Uh, You look at Egypt. Anyone who had that system with the blood covering the, you know, the three parts of the door frame, uh, they also were protected while Egypt was judged. And then some argue, now again, I love these arguments because they're very easy to, when you look at the scripture, 
Well, the persecuted church today, Christians in, in these North Korea, right? Christian, Christianity, uh, Christians are abused. Iran, they're abused, imprisoned, ill-treated. Well, why shouldn't we suffer because our brothers and sisters are suffering? Here's the difference. Who authored the suffering? The Christians in North Korea and Iran and the Middle East and a lot of these places, they're not being abused by God. That's not God's wrath. Those are satanic forces. This is a time where the wrath will be from God. You see what I'm saying? So there's the difference. Who's authoring the wrath? Right now, it's not God. In the time that he does, it would make no sense. Where the bride of Christ, Jesus betrothes us to be married, right? In a, in a figurative way. And then Jesus beats up his bride. And that makes no sense at all. So I want you to rest assured if you heard those types of teachings, they're not scripturally founded in many different ways. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? <laughs> it's okay. You know, we, we reach the people who, who study the Bible and we reach the people who are new to the faith or don't know much about the faith yet. We want to reach both audiences. We continue on. Verse, let's see. Well, one of his benefits is, one of God's many benefits is his love and his protection. God is not a capricious God. Some religions teach that, but that's wrong. It's false teaching. Um, God is consistent in his modus operandi and how he does things in his love and his care and his protection. So we can count on that. Verse 5, it says, And they were not given authority to kill them, meaning people, but to torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. So two out of four is what is the mission of these demonic forces? What are they doing? Well, apparently they can sting people, and it goes on for five months. I don't know what they inject. I don't know what they do, uh, but it's, it's, it's horrible. Like I said, the sermon title is give, the, give them what they want. We live in a world and a, and a culture that has a love affair with evil, and God is still merciful today in 2020, but it's going to get worse. And it doesn't mean we should stop as Christians trying to get as many people into the kingdom as heaven. Remember, we're on a sinking ship, this world. We know that there's a better world coming. The more we should try to influence people for Christ. And when we get to heaven and see the harvest that maybe we had a small part of. So, you know, when the boat is sinking, sometimes when the boat is floating and it's, it's the boat of the world, people don't see the urgency. Well, the boat's sinking right now. Turn on the news when you go home. It's depressing, but... Look what's going on in the world. Look what's going on in our country. It's a sinking ship. I, I feel bad for the military and the first responders everywhere because they're the ones taking the brunt of this, this insanity that's going on. So the world has a love affair with evil. God would prefer to give us good and wholesome and abundant life, but many choose evil instead. And I'm seeing whatever. I mean, you read a news report and there's so much false stuff out there. So like, I'll just look at a video and I'll vet it and I'll go to the local news. Cause like, I don't want to put false stuff, especially on social media, but the, these things are happening. People are preaching the gospel and getting beat up and getting assaulted. What did Jesus ever do to anybody? You know, there's now reports uh, in some of these uh, riot, rioting areas where churches, churches have been burned. Now, this has really been suppressed. You don't see it a lot on the regular media. Synagogues, churches have been burned, have been attacked, have, have been hit with graffiti. Parishioners have been assaulted. And now something new, and this is, I vetted this too. Several news sources have confirmed this, that 
they're taking Bibles in droves and, and taking them and they're burning Bibles. What did God ever do to you? Do you understand that the root of it, what drives people, again, what drives us to save people is Jesus, is the Holy Spirit. What drives people to do evil and they don't even realize it's happening, they're being controlled by another force. So you got you to gotta serve someone, as that famous song said. Um, and, and this is what you have going on. But I'll just read this scripture to you. Ephesians 6.12. This should make it clear. It says that we do not war, right? As Christians, we don't war against flesh and blood. The tendency is to be mad at people, to see things on the, the news and to look at certain groups and whatever and, and be angry. That isn't for us to do. You know, if we need to expose things, we expose things like I do from the pulpit. But there's something driving the insanity, and it's demonic forces. So let me continue. We as Christians, this is important. God is trying to tell us, don't, don't hurt people. Don't be angry and sin in your anger. Put that aside. See what the Lord wants you to do and, and bring peace, bring healing. But against, this is who we war against, not the people. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So as a Christian, as a new Christian, I used to get offended when somebody would attack my faith. When I started reading scriptures like that, sometimes I chuckle. And they're like, you should be mad. Why are you, why are you laughing? I feel bad for you. And, you know, Jesus wants to love you and you're, you're deceived. You don't understand. So my approach is now not to get angry at the person because something is driving them and they might not realize it. My approach now is to, to try as much as possible to not be offended and to show them love and to lead them to Christ. Not an easy thing to do, but this is what the Bible tells us to do, folks. So <laughs> what we see here in chapter 9 is that the forces of evil are finally being exposed. If you're new to the Bible or you're a new believer and you're like, wow, I never knew that. It's finally being exposed. I'm going to read a portion of scripture that basically says, let me extrapolate, that when the believers are gone and the Bibles are left, if somebody actually picks it up and goes to Revelation, because even unbelievers, when you ask unbelievers, hey, uh, what's Revelation about? They'll tell you the end of the world, right? It's really about the revealing of Jesus Christ, but they have a distorted picture of this book. So when the Christians are gone, people can still get saved. They will read the word and hopefully they read these sections and realize, man, we're, we're deceived. It's wholesale. This is bad. So the, the evil that people try to gravitate to in our society is, is exposed. They're trying to lure people today as, as we're trying to get as many people off the boat, right, into heaven. The satanic forces are trying to keep people on the boat. What water? No, nope, there's no water. And put a put a sheet over it, you know, bath towel. There's no, there's no water. Don't look. Look over there. This world is being deceived, folks, and this is the root of the deception. Amen. All right, we're all awake this morning. Um, it's it's exciting, but it's sad at the same time. I don't want to see anybody I know. I don't want to see the checkout girl at Stop and Shop. I don't want to see the, the boy pumping my gas. I mean, I get to know these people. I don't want to see them go through this. I want everybody to get saved. So it's, it's pretty sad. Well, these people, they want to die for five months, but they can't. I don't want to go into graphic detail about, and I've thought about this. How do you try to take your life, but you're still alive? You know, we, we're getting into the stuff of horror movies. 
When I was a kid, before I was a Christian, I, I was enamored. Uh, I don't want to, let me scratch that. I was intrigued by the, by the dark side, you know. Um, I would, I would, whenever a new horror movie would come out, I'd watch it, and then for a week I'd get nightmares. And then I'd do it again. Why? Why do we do that stuff? Then I became a Christian. I read the Bible. I'm like, oh, I understand that now. I'm not really, really not even afraid of them anymore because God's protecting me. Uh, but it's, it's, you look at things differently depending on what side of the fence you're on. If you're in Christ, you, you look at things differently. Um, and what we want to try to do is show people you're on the wrong side. Come over this way. These people are not your friends. Just like the, my mom, I could never understand when I was, when I was 16, I could actually grow a beard. So I attracted friends who were older. I remember growing up in New York and my mom would say, I don't want you hanging out with him. He can drive. I don't want you, you know what I'm saying? They're going to dupe you into doing something. I don't like those boys, you know, and I could never, my mom, man, she always ruined my fun. But she had a sense of some of these people that I was kind of hanging out with. I was, I was, I was, I don't want to say a bad kid, but. I didn't know the Lord until I was in my 20s, okay? Cut me some slack. Um, but it's just like today, you know, and I see people, not just young people, older people, middle-aged, and they get into a group of friends and they, hey, take a walk on the wild side. This is fun. Throw off all restraint. Then the alcohol flows and then the drugs flow and then the adultery flows and all this kind of stuff happens. And then the person's life is ruined. And where are those friends when that happens? They move on to the next person. They don't really care about you. That's these, that's this, that's these forces. They're driving all of this. So it's our job to hopefully expose, educate them and bring them over to real friends who have their best interests at heart. Uh, well, I'll tell you this, that some people, bad people, tyrants, have tried uh, to commit suicide. There's, it's questionable, Hitler and, and these other people. And they thought that maybe through taking their lives that they would escape, you know, liberating forces. They would escape, you know, incarceration, the courts, and people get mad. They read about even someone, a clergy who molested a child and then died, and they found the stuff out later, and they get angry. This is an injustice. Whoa, they didn't escape anything. Where they are right now, if they haven't repented, trust me, they didn't escape anything. So, if people do that, I ju I'm just going to end it and, and I escape it, and you don't. We all stand before the living God, and nothing gets past his notice. It does happen in the court systems, but it doesn't happen in his kingdom. So, I would just ask you, if you don't know the Lord, what are you into? Please don't say it out loud. <laughs> Uh, are you on the Lord's side or are you not on the Lord's side? Even in your philosophy and your thinking and what possesses your thoughts, what you think is important in the world, what is your top priority, there's still time to turn because this hasn't happened yet. You may be at a crossroads hearing this message. I'm going to tell you, you take the wrong fork in the road, it's not going to be good, and you will be held accountable if you give your whole heart into some of these systems. Verse 7, it only gets worse until we're, until we're done here this morning. Uh, it says, and the shape of the locust. So again, John, he's a human. He doesn't recognize these creatures. He knows what bugs look like. He knows what people look like, and he's never seen this. He said, the shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. And on their heads were something of crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had their hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. 
they had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. It was probably deafening. They had tails like scorpions and there were stings in their tails and their power was to hurt men five months. I could almost see John, the apostle, getting real close to the angel who's giving him the tour. He's not going to get me, is he? These things are creepy looking. So three out of four is the description. Now, there's Greek words like similar to, and I did my, um, my Greek studies, and basically John is trying to describe something that he's never seen before. Okay, so one or a like horses prepared for battle, probably imposing beast like figures, probably very large figures. And to him, vaguely, it's the shape of a horse. B, crowns of something like gold. Remember the Stephanos of the Antichrist. Remember we talked about him, the first horse rider, the white horse. And he's got the Stephanos, not the diadema. So he has a fake crown where Christ has the real crown. Remember the the demons are imposters. They even pretend to the gullible that they're godlike creatures and to follow this way. And as Jesus said, there's only one way to everlasting life. So they have this, these kind of crowns of something like gold. Uh, as God and his angelic beings, the angelic beings have a hierarchy, so do, do these creatures of the underworld. See, the faces like the faces of men, um, sort of like a reverse version of a minotaur. Demons have a fascination with men, mankind. I'm going to say that the faces probably b- vaguely resembled a man's face, but they were disfigured, Right? D, hair like a woman's hair. Now, in those days, women just had long hair. That just was the style. So this thing sort of looks like a horse. It has the face of a man and it has long, probably scraggly, nasty-looking hair. Um, not, Not attractive when you start putting, in our minds, we're putting this together. And even Hollywood, with all their makeup and all the things they do and their monster movies and demon movies, it probably looked, they probably looked nice compared to what John is seeing here. Um, it could have been a deceptive beauty to entice. Don't know. Their teeth, like the teeth of lions, large and sharp, ferocious. Their job is just to destroy because their leader is a destroyer. We're going to get to that. Breastplates of iron, a chest that's prepared for war. Um, I, so I have horses, and I was kind of looking at my horse in the paddock and seeing what a chest. I was almost kind of going to do some weird thing and put a wig on one of my horses and do some things. They're so tolerant with me and then kind of show you it, but I decided not to. That would be weird. But I said it, so it's still weird. Uh, (laughs) So they have these breastplates of iron. Uh, They're powerful in their own right, not to be underestimated. Ha ha, Satan. Ha ha ha. No, this isn't funny. G, wings. Fallen angels retain their wings in some form, but they must be large, right? So the, the pretty fantasy picture of of Pegasus. Well, this is the creepy version of the Pegasus. Uh, Tails like scorpions. They used them to sting and to torment um, for five months. Now, again, I've had, I've had nightmares and, you know, something's chasing you and you, you, you know, you can't get away and you wake up. Well, when this happens, no one's going to be able to wake up. You know, you see these horror movies, people, they try to hide and, you know, you're in suspense. Are they going to find her? Are they going to find him? They are going to find her. They're going to find him. And I say this as a warning, not with glee. 
uh, they, 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 they will find you. If you're not in Christ and you're still here and you're still loving this world, they will sting you and you will be in torment for five months. Five months is a long time to be in pain. This is no joke. All the elites, the elites that you see on TV, their armed security, gated communities, they're not going to be immune from it either. What affects the lower class or a perceived lower class will also affect the elites and the upper class. They will not be able to bar themselves and get in their bunkers. These things will find them. You can hear a pin drop in here. It's pretty creepy, isn't it? Verse 11. Last two verses. So if you're new, sorry, we don't always talk about this stuff. I said to Pastor Vinny when we were praying, great, there's new people here. I'm going to be talking about demons. You're like, we ain't coming back to this church. These people are whacked. Listen, we start from chapter 1 to the end. You just happen to come in here at chapter 9. Um, we, and you wonder why some churches don't teach this, because they're about numbers and money and popularity. And if you teach the entire Bible through and through, you're going to get to some portions of scripture that are going to make people uncomfortable. But why did God put this in here? To warn us, to warn people. Verse 11 and 12, he says, and they had a king over them, these creatures, the angel of the bottomless pit. I'm sorry. And they had as king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is in Hebrew, just in case you didn't get it in the first language. People were multilingual back then. In Hebrew, his name is Abaddon or destruction. But in Greek, he has the name Apollyon, which means destroyer. One woe is past. Behold, still more, still two more woes are coming after these things. So four, just to make you understand, they're not locusts. They were like locusts. They have a king. Proverbs thirty twenty seven tells us that the locusts have no king. You understand? Um, I actually enjoy insects as a beekeeper. Uh, I think ants are fascinating too. Insects have a communication system. They use, people sort of use it. I don't want to get into that, but there's a pheromone signal. And bees, ants, locusts, they use these signals and they can communicate. And we think, oh, they're insects, they're bugs. When you understand how intelligent these bugs, millions of them, can gather and decide to all take off at the same time, to attack a certain place, to not get stragglers and scattered, it's genius. And God put it into the, into the DNA of these bugs, these simple bugs. But they have no king because humans, we, we bump into each other without a sergeant or a, or a president or a king or, you know, we can sort of assemble, but somebody's got to take a leadership role. But the bugs don't have a king. You see where I'm going with this? I just like bugs. Uh, so these locusts, the Bible tells us, don't have a king. However, these fallen angels, these creatures that are like locusts, have a king. And there's two words for this king, and both words mean destroyer. So that's who their leader is, and it's probably Satan. But Jesus in John tells us that the, in John 10 tells us that he is the good shepherd. He's the true shepherd, but the thief, the deceiver. And much of our culture is following deception. Jesus says he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And as Satan's time is running out, you can sense it. I talk to a lot of other pastors and mature Christians. In the times that we're living in, we can sense that something's brewing. Something is going on. There's an undercurrent that's not palpable that cannot be picked up with your five senses. 
So we're going to preach this until the very end, until the Lord takes us home. Um, Satan is a destroyer. He's destroying the world, but the world is willingly allowing him to do it. He's destroying our way of life in this country. And I'm going to tell you something. He's infiltrated a large part of the church. A lot of the Western churches asleep. They come up to the pulpit. They talk to you about politics. They talk to you about social events. And they don't read the Bible. They're sleeping. And the watchmen, we're called to be the watchmen on the wall. We're supposed to be looking. We're supposed to be hypervigilant. We're supposed to be listening to the Lord. We're supposed to be praying. We're supposed to be reading the word. And this, I taught this 12 years ago, this is coming alive into today's society. So um, some of the church is losing the culture war. Again, what's going on? And I have these discussions you, you look at the events in 2020, and it's, it's starting to shape how people even see the Word of God, how they see church. Uh, and I have these discussions with people who are, they tend to be isolated. And they look at the church as, well, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to hang out. And you, you're the church. You do it. You know, the organization. And there's millions of Christians who are the church who are not acting as the church, right? And when something like 2020 hits, which is one of the worst years in my 52 years I've ever experienced, a lot of the church is fractured and sleeping. A lot of the pulpits, they're sleeping. You know, I've had recent conversations and I've had to say, look in the mirror. You're the church and you're not being the church. And now's the time to be the church. So I just want to play a quick video, and then I'm going to close it out. What I've been doing, I've been t- telling my pastors and my staff this, is what I've been trying to do is balance revelation with the Gospels. Now, I'm cool with all of it, but just so you can have an idea how Jesus had power over this demonic world, how he wants to protect us from these things, but at some point, people will make their own decision And they will want to get what they want, and the Lord is going to let them have what they want. He's going to step away, and that's why these things happen. So let's balance this. Let's look at uh, an artistic representation of Jesus being able to cast out. And they sailed on over to Gadara, which is across the lake from Galilee. Ha, 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 ha,
demons went out of the man and into the pigs. Go away from here! You magician, leave us! Go away from this place! Leave us! Go away from here! I'll follow you wherever you go. Let me come with you. Go back home and tell what God has done for you. Interesting. That's, um, I think, two, of the, two or three of the gospel accounts have that. Um, God wants us to, you know, First John 4, 4, he who's in us is greater than he who's in the world. God's desire is for all of us to turn to Christ and for him to fill us with his Holy Spirit, a part of him to seal us. So stuff like that doesn't happen. I know many missionaries and there's some very famous ones who have written books. I know pastors who, that are close to here who have actually seen people convulsing with demonic entities and in the name of Christ were able to cast, cast them out. Um, people in, in our culture are so immersed with suggestions that sometimes it's the frog in the pot of water and eventually the heat's turned up and it's boiling and the frog is done. Um, this is designed in this fallen world to, to get us to be comfortable with this type of thing, right? I was into weird stuff. I don't even know why the Lord saved me. That's why I'm doing this. I'll do this until I can't talk anymore. Um, and if I can't stand, I'll be sitting down doing this stuff because I know I, I didn't have that experience, but I know what the Lord saved me from and I was really going in the wrong direction. So I can tell you that I've lived in both worlds. But the point I want to make is that this is where our culture is going. And we can get so caught up in our lives and what we want to do and what we want to do for the summer and the next five-year plan. We don't know that we're going to be here in five years. God is calling his church to wake up and to see that American culture, who many times leads the world in, in, in things, is, is decaying. And what are we doing as Christians? Yes, we have to work. Yes, we have to feed our families. Yes, we can go out and enjoy ourselves and have a good time. But are we submitted to the Lord? Have we prayed? Have we asked him? You know, I, I don't want to get to heaven. And I don't think God would, God's not a God of guilt. But I would never want to get to heaven and think that, I had the opportunity to say something to that person. I just was too busy. It was just such a hurry. Or I just didn't feel like it. Or I just had social anxiety. We all get that. So, folks, um, the world is asking for this. But we can peel off a few in our own little world, hopefully. We can peel them off from going in this direction. And in the end, I think God will show us that harvest and the people we've had influence over. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening. 
and may God bless you.